This is the Man Patriot Podcast, episode 12. Welcome to the Man Patriot Podcast. Guys, elections are over. The results are out and I'll be discussing the results in the next segment. However, before I do that, I just want to let you know, guys, that if you want to support Man Patriot, you can do so at manpatriot.com forward slash donate and you can make a donation as little as 10 rand. Only 10 rand. As little as 10 rand. Also, at the same time, we have got various options for you to donate. You can use PayFast. And, but it's only for South Africans. You can also use PayPal as well. These are for debit cards and credit cards or for people that are listening from outside of the country but want to support me in Patria. You can also use cryptocurrency to donate as well. That'll be highly appreciated. However, if money's an issue, you can always share the podcast with your family and friends. This helps me immensely. And I want to thank you for all the support that you guys have given me so far. It has been great. It keeps me going and I feel motivated. Also, at the same time, guys, you can follow me on social media. I've got Twitter. I've got Instagram. I've got Facebook. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel. Also on SoundCloud, you can also follow me there as well. And also at the same time, guys, the podcast is also on Spotify as well. So if you have Spotify, you can search for the Man Patriot podcast and you will find it there. All right, guys, I think that brings us to the end of the first segment and let us go to the next segment. said in the previous segment elections are over 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 okay so the results are out Um, i'm on the iec website right now and i'm looking at the results from 2014 and also 2019 results as well so if you look at the 2014 results we had a voter turnout of 73 percent and the number of votes casted were 18 million. The spoiled ones were 252,000. Ballot votes were 18,000. In this election, quite interesting. 
So the valid votes were 17,000, spoiled votes were 235,000, total votes costed were 17 million, and the voter turnout was 65%. Okay, 65.99, which is 66%. Ideally, you would like to have a voter turnout of 70% or more. And that did not happen. So I'm going to start with the big winners in this election. Big winners, number one, is the IFP. They have 588,000 votes, all right? And if you look at, in the last election, they had 441,000. So they had, a, they had an increase there. Also, at the same time, VF Plus. VF Plus, brilliant. 414,000 votes. And before, they were at, and I'm just looking here, 165,000. So they went from 165,000 votes all the way to 414,000 votes. Guys, that's a big jump. That's a massive jump. You have to give credit where it's due. EFF, in my opinion, I think we're also another big winner. They just fell short of the 1. Point, no, well, 2 million mark. They were at 1.1 1 .1 in 2014, 1.1 million. And now they're at 1.8, so close to 2 million. So, you know, that's really how it was in a nutshell. As for the party that I'm part of, the Purple Cow, um, known as the ZACP, it's actually the ZACP known as the Purple Cow, Capitalist Party of South Africa, we obtained 15,000 votes. Now, many people will be talking trash. They'll be going around saying things like, well, yeah, it's a waste of investment. You spent so much money and you didn't get one seat. Now, obviously, this is um, a foolish statement, all right? It's one of the dumbest statements around. And I think there's a lot of uh, detractors on Twitter who were trying to make it sound like as if this was a total failure. But it wasn't. The party, at the time of recording this podcast, is six weeks old. Five to six weeks old, Right? And they, well, we, we campaigned on social media, mainly, and we had some posters around as well. And what we discovered is that as a result, we got 15,000 votes. Now, understand this, guys. We started this campaign very late, and we got 15,000 votes. Now, there were other parties, like the ATA, Ahang, Azapo, Ikosa, IMF, DLC, BRA, F4SDFN, the Land Party, ACO, PA, ADEC, Eco Forum, Women First, CPM, ACM, you get the point. Some of these parties on the list have been competing since 2009 and they are below the ZACP. So it just shows that in a matter of a few weeks, in less than in just over a month, we were able to influence people on our policies. And they were able to go to the polls and vote. All 15,915 of them. So for me, this is an encouraging case. A very encouraging case. In fact, people should be writing about this. How is it that a party that has only been around for five to six weeks is able to get 16,000 votes? How is that possible? No one's looking at it from that perspective. I remember there was a... There was some meme going around of, of um, Roman Kavanagh where 
he was in an interview and then one of the interviews was saying, but South Africans rejected you. South Africans rejected you. And, you know, someone tried to make it sound like as if, uh, you know, Roman lost that one. But I mean, that is, that is stupid. It was a stupid meme. Didn't make sense. I mean, the same logic can be applied to the top parties. So let's look at, so the ANC, they got 57% of the votes. So the majority of South Africans did not reject them. But the DA, they got 20%, well, 20, close to 21%, right? Someone can say that the majority of the voters rejected the DA because they only got 20% of the votes. So anyone from the DA all the way to the bottom, anyone can say that the majority of South Africans rejected each party, except the ANC, of course, because they got 57% of the vote. So, I mean, obviously that was faulty logic and, and all of that nonsense. But I think that, you know, as overall, Purple Cow did well. So I want to just read you a, a tweet from Solnomics. And I think he sums it up very well. He says this, 15,914 votes with a budget of 220,000 for the capitalist party is a decent return. 13.8 rand per vote. Considering the party is only 52 days old and the only platform to campaign on was social media, bigger parties spend 10 times to 15 times more per vote. The purple cows should be encouraged. And I totally agree. We should be encouraged. So for those people who um, did support um, the purple cow, thank you very much. But for those of you obviously who are not um, ZACP supporters and you're listening to this podcast, um, just take this into consideration as well. It is a good achievement. And I really do believe that um, that is a good story to tell. Anyway, anyway, anyway. So for those of you guys who are not ZACP supporters, all right, I think what we also have to be worried about is South Africa's big drive towards socialism. And also at the same time, we also have to be more concerned with the results overall, okay? Um, almost each and every single party got less votes than um, the previous elections, except obviously for the IFP and for also VF Plus as well. Um, they were the big winners. Now, just to expand on that point, what I'm just trying to say is that, um, you know, less people are voting overall and um, that's a concern you know why are less people voting you know um, I've spoken to many individuals and many of them are like ah, I'm not voting there's no point because ANC is going to win anyway there's no point why should I vote that's also a very very problematic situation to be in I think people are losing faith in the electoral process and that's concerning. Now, some people are anarchists and they will say, oh, well, we don't care. <laughs> Fair enough. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just an issue of concern, really. Why are less people voting? And uh, I think that's something that needs to be investigated and needs to be checked out. Because if not, we could, have, we could even have a lower voter turnout in the next election. All right, so the ANC, so no, let me not say the ANC. Let me just rather say that what I've also seen with regards to the advertising of parties and how 
followers of particular parties represent themselves is also quite concerning. Um, you know, there's this popular term, you know, um, you know, with the whole EFF and BBS scandal. And then you'll hear one of the guys or one of the people say, Oxalayo Botella EFF. You'll hear that all the time. And uh, it's not even an argument, you know. It's not even a, 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 a something of substance. It's not a word of substance or a sentence of substance. It's just nothing more than a red herring designed just to end a conversation. And this is the problem that I have with regards to... Um, some of the beliefs that are being held because I was um, just look observing some people with regards to this and what happened was um, a lot of people are saying that because you are of a certain skin color then therefore you must vote for this party identity politics doesn't work okay you know, it's it's just sad that people are still thinking like this. That they're voting for someone because he shares the same skin color as them. And not really assessing what um, the party offers. You know, it, it's the EFF or a left-wing socialist movement inspired by Hugo Chavez and Karl Marx. You know... Their policies have been implemented in Venezuela and in many parts of the world. And their policies still fail, but yet they're able to get more votes every election. What's going on? How is it that a party who champions socialism and given the destruction of socialism is still able to get more votes? How is that possible? I mean, you know, Venezuela, the horror is crazy. I think I spoke about it in my last podcast, about what, it, what has happened to Venezuela. If not, you can look at my previous podcast. I have done one, I think it's episode six, where I spoke about the horrors of socialism. The title of the episode, I think, is Why Socialism is Bad and Capitalism is Good. And in Venezuela, it's terrible. You know, there are people are leaving the country just to find food. 5,000 people are leaving daily to find food. 90% of the population lives in poverty. Their inflation rate is like at a trillion. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's high. It's the highest ever in the world. Ridiculous levels. EFF policies. Malema went there in 2010 with Floyd Shibambu, and I think even Buise Ninflozi as well. They were all part of the ANC at that time. And they were all talking about how great the Venezuelan economy is, how fantastic it's working. And you look at it now, it's, it's pathetic. But yet, today, they're able to get more votes. And it's very simple. The idea of socialism works well with people who are desperate. Some pe people, some, many people are economically illiterate and they don't care because you got someone who's promising you free stuff, who's saying that they'll give you land, you'll get free education, you'll get free healthcare, free whatever, free whatever. 
Also with the ANC, they've been in power for 25 years. What has happened? You've had progress here and there in some areas, but overall it has been terrible. Ever since Zuma got into power, it was, it was terrible. And now they're going to make things even worse. They are pushing for the expropriation of land without compensation. And this is not a good situation to be in if you're South African. Because they want to change the constitution. And changing the constitution to allow for the government to take away people's land without compensating them is a recipe for disaster. We've seen these tactics being tried around the world. They don't work. They tried it in Zim. They tried it in, I think they did it in Soviet Russia. They did it in Soviet China. I mean, not Soviet China, Mao's China. They did it in those countries, failed outright. So what makes people think it's going to work here? You know, South Africans have this idea that they're, they're exceptional, that they are immune to the laws of the market. You know, I had a debate with uh, someone this week on this type of issue, and they were saying that, oh, but, you know, we're not Venezuela. We're not Russia. We're not this. We're not that. As if that's supposed to excuse them from trying to explain why these ridiculous policies are going to work in this country. This is the, the problem that we're facing is that we're going down the path of socialism and the opposition in this country is terrible. They're becoming ineffective. The DA had a perfect opportunity to take a stand against this. Cope took a stand against this. They got two seats. They're going to get two seats. But the DA had a perfect opportunity and they fluffed it. They fluffed it. Because they also went down the path of identity politics. You know, Musmai Mane was speaking at some rally. I don't know. There's a video of him where he's talking about black poverty and white privilege. And he's talking about he's married to a white woman and he recognizes the fact that his wife has white privilege. So then my question is, is that why you married your wife? Because you wanted to benefit from the white privilege that she has. Come on. I mean, identity politics is becoming foolish. And a lot of South Africans are sucking up to it. It's, it's it, you know, they're not thinking beyond their identity politics. I mean, a, a, a party can just come to them and say, we care about black people. We want this for black people. And because you're black, we're going we're gonna to help you. And then what happens? You know, then they just vote for them. Meanwhile, the parties that they're voting for are vouching for um, policies that are deadly and dangerous. As I mentioned earlier with the EFF, now the ANC. Yeah, the DA, not so much, but still, you know, this is what's happening. The left is becoming saturated over and over. And these top three parties are competing for a very, very saturated space. So I'm, I'm really, with, with the overall results, uh, I'm not surprised, but 
you know, given what has been happening in the past few months, the results don't tend to be something that are of a shock at all. It's just, it's as expected. Obviously, there are a few surprises here and there. Introduction of ATM and good. I think, um, again, um, left-leaning parties. Um, if I remember on my appearance on ENCA, ATM was also there. The guy, <laughs> the president, or the leader, or the representative of that party at that particular point in time, he didn't have much to say on that show. Um, but yeah, you know, they're in parliament now. And also good Patricia DeLille's party as well. is also in parliament, um, taking, of course, her support um, from the DA and many other places as well. So this is really, in a nutshell, what the results have um, brought along. And um, I'm not expecting much to change radically with regards to um, policies that are going to help free the market. But I also do see more of a left-wing push towards socialism now that everything has been decided. And also talking about identity politics, um, the party Women Forward, they got 6,000 votes. And very interestingly enough, people were saying that no purple cows at ACP, you guys should be pushing identity politics. And look, we got a party woman forward who got 6,000 votes. And they were pushing identity politics like there's no tomorrow. Okay? And, I, and, and, I, and the reason why I don't think it worked is because of the fact that there were established parties already pushing identity politics. So you're already competing against those guys already. But this is what's been happening all right this is really the whole um election in a nutshell so i just think that what i'm expecting after these elections i'm expecting more of these uh ridiculous policies getting pushed such as the nhi um ste steamrolling the expropriation bill and so forth if you want to learn more about um how we can fight expropriation without compensation there is a uh, presentation done by Mark Oppenheimer at the Free Market Foundation. You can check him out there on their YouTube channel. You'll find all the content there as well. So now that we know the results, okay, I just want to just uh, take you through uh, some of the things that the EFF is pushing for. Uh, they got 1.8 million votes, and I just want to just, just give you an idea. They have these seven pillars, right? Apparently, these seven pillars are going to help South Africa to become better. And here's the first one. Expropriation of South Africa's land without compensation for equal redistribution in use. So ultimately, no one in South Africa is going to own land. Nationalization of mines, banks, and other strategic sectors of the economy without compensation. Again, more foolishness. Building state government capacity, which will lead to the abolishment of tenders. Free quality education, healthcare, housing, and sanitation. Where they're going to get all this money, I don't know. They might as well, they're probably going to print it out when all goes bad. Massive protected industrial development to create millions of sustainable jobs, including the introduction of minimum wages. Oh my goodness. In order to close the wage gap between the rich and the poor. Close the apartheid wage gap and promise 
and promotes rapid career paths for Africans in the workplace. Now, guys, that point is, I mean, if you don't understand economics, you are going to say that is such a nice thing. But those of you who understand economics and understand the dynamics of trying to protect industries and so forth, um, what happens is that, and also minimum wages and everything like that, what you're going to find out is that you will probably scream. I don't know, you'll, you'll probably, you'll, but you'll be shocked at, at these statements. As I mentioned before, the minimum wage... It discriminates against people whose value of labor is below the minimum wage. Simple as that. So if the minimum wage is 20 rand an hour, those people whose value of labor is below 20 rand will not have a job. You know, I've been looking around. Um, I've been going to malls lately. I remember back in 2006 when I first moved into Johannesburg and I saw a mall. I'm not going to mention the name. But at that mall, when you drove your car in, there was someone who would actually sit in a booth and he would um, give you a ticket and he would go through. And then when you come back, you pay him and you go out. Those have all been replaced by machines. And I do believe the reason why they've been replaced by machines is because of the minimum wage. You go into McDonald's, you see the same thing happening. As soon as you get in, there is a big point of sale device or self-service device that is there. And you can punch in your order, get what you want, and you're done. The minimum wage is accelerating that. It's incentivizing businesses to automate their, uh, automate their processes and make them more efficient. And also this idea of the wage gap and the gap between the rich and the poor. I mean, again, this is not important. The, the, the problem is um, poverty. I mean, Thomas Sowell, I think in his book, is it Wealth, Poverty and Politics and even in um, uh, Race and... No, I forgot the name of the book, but it, it has the word race in it. I'm just trying to remember. It's so called politics and race. I'm not sure. But anyway, in, in, in those books, um, he discussed um, the idea of inequality. And, and he said a lot of people in the intelligentsia make it sound like as if equality is so, is so common and so easier to achieve that we have to explain the absence of it. But in fact, when you look at reality, inequality is the norm. Mentioned that in the last podcast, right? So again, guys, poverty is not the problem. It is um, actually inequality. I'm not, not inequality, sorry. Poverty is the problem. Inequality isn't the problem. All right. And also this thing of uh, promote okay and the last point promote rapid career paths for africans in the workplace okay so again this is just a pipe dream like what are you going to do you know what do you mean by promoting rapid career paths just because they're africans they must just go higher it's ridiculous meritocracy over everything all right you must put the right people there 
Don't just reduce people to their skin color. All right, so... Um, and the last one, or oh, they said massive, no, the last two is massive development of African economy and advocating for more, wait, advocating for a move from reconciliation to justice on the entire continent. <laughs> oh, another pipe dream, man. This is, this is just another foolish ideal because, you know, <laughs> Africa is so diverse. In the North, you got Arabs and then in Sub-Saharan Africa, You've got many, many different tribes. I mean, if you go to Zambia, you've got 17 different languages. In South Africa, you've got 11. Now, trying to unite the whole continent will not be easy. In fact, I don't even think it will be possible due to the massive cultural differences that do exist among Africans. So, no, that's not going to work. And moving what from a reconciliation to justice on the entire continent. Okay, guys, understand this. One thing about people on the left, they like to use this word justice. And justice can mean whatever. All right. And um, obviously here in this case, it has not been explained, but I just think it is just used as an emotive word to try and get people um, emotionally drawn to the party. And the last one is open, accountable, corrupt-free government and society without fear of victimization by state agencies. Hmm. But... Okay, so this last point, it actually contradicts a lot. Because if they say that they want to have an open, accountable, corrupt-free government and society without fear of victimization by state agencies, then why are you pushing for the expropriation of land without compensation? Because if you're going to push for expropriation of, of land without compensation, aren't you really victimizing the people that you're taking the land from without compensation? That hasn't been... Again, that's, that's, it's contradictory. These guys actually contradict themselves in their own... Um, sorry, in their own manifesto. This is the EFF. And then people will just say, yeah, I don't care. Oksalai or Votelli EFF. Even though there's a basic logical contradiction in their manifesto. They care about black people. That's why I'm voting for them. Have you read their manifesto? No. That's what that's 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 this is the this is the level of um, thinking surrounding this topic. So you guys, you guys decide for yourself. This is really what we are facing right now in South Africa. Is the is the foolishness of political parties. And how they are able to manipulate people um, in voting for them by becoming race hustlers. So already, if you look at the ANC, they um, are using the social grants as a means to get votes. All right. And as a result, it's working. We have 17 million people reliant on social grants in this country. 17 million. Out of those 17 million, about 13.4 million of them are child grants. This is the level of, um, of dependence that people have within South Africa on the government. Now that is a problem because... 
if you are going to, in my opinion, all right, use this as a, or use social grants as a means to make people dependent on you, then you not, then you do not come. Let me put it this way: then you do not care about the well-beings of your people. What you are doing is that you are just making them dependent, making them more poor, so that you can stay in power for as long as you can. And that is not right. That is not right at all. It's not right. It doesn't make sense to do something of that nature. That if in a society where we can actually allow people to make the, their own decisions so that they can actually push and create wealth for themselves. Instead, we make them dependent on the government because we need them to go, because we need them to um, give us votes every election cycle, which is not good at all. It's not good. But this is what is happening. Now, I mentioned that um, South Africa is going down the path of socialism. And uh, it's, it's clear. You know, they want to go down this path. They want to nationalize industries. They want to nationalize um, the Reserve Bank, which is crazy. But they want to do that. So there's a guy by the name of George Aite, who I think um, has been speaking about this for a very long period of time. And he just wanted to, and he, so let me put it this way, has argued that socialism is actually alien. It's alien to Africa. That before the colonialists came, there was actually free markets in Africa. And after colonialism, African leaders adopted socialism or what George Aiti calls Swiss Bank Socialism. And what these guys did was they just nationalized the industries, took all the proceeds from it, and put it in their Swiss bank accounts. And um, one thing that, and you know, in his latest speech that he did for the Heritage Foundation, which was an excellent speech, he's even got it, you can even read the text as well for it if you want to. And one thing that, um, you know, he mentions is how these guys actually looted the countries. And I just want to let people know what actually happens when you allow socialism to um, be the ruling philosophy of your country. So he mentions Mabutu Sesesoko, who amassed the wealth of one to five billion. Apparently, Sesesoko had um, so much money, he could have actually paid off his country's debt by writing a check. Then there's Charles Taylor in Libya. He amassed a wealth of $5 billion. Then the late Gen San... Wait, I'm going to butcher this name. Gen Sani Abacha from Nigeria, who passed away. He amassed $5 billion. Omar al-Bashir, who has now been ousted, amassed the wealth of $9 billion. 
General Ibrahim Baba, no, General Ibrahim Bambangida, 12 billion. Ben Ali in Tunisia, 13 billion. Hosni Mubarak, 40 billion. Muammar Gaddafi, 200 billion. My goodness. That is hectic. And he speaks about South Africa as well. And I just want to read you a piece on from his speech about South Africa. And this is what he says. Strange as it might sound, the ruling elites in South Africa are poised to repeat the catastrophic mistakes we made in sub-Saharan Africa. Some senior members of the ruling ANC seek a constitutional amendment to seize white-owned land without compensation and a breakaway faction, the economic freedom fighters, seek to nationalize the central bank and in all new discoveries of oil and gas. All this in the teeth of the disastrous socialist experiment right next door in Zimbabwe. It needs to be emphasized that one of the cruelest jokes perpetrated on a gullible world was the misconception that the South African, South African economy under apartheid was a capitalist and free market. And the Rational Standard actually has an article on that. I'll provide the link in the description for that. Under apartheid, the South African economy was characterized by severe state interventionalism or interventionism, where blacks could live and work and what type of jobs they could take were all determined by the state. The fictional link of apartheid to capitalism remained well into the 1990s, even though through the National Party government operated a horrendous array of programs to maintain a heavy presence in the economy. Apartheid must be repudiated, but it was not capitalism. Colonialism needed to be repudiated, but it was not capitalism. Albert Einstein once defined insanity as doing the same thing again and again and expecting different results. Lunacy may be defined as doing the same stupid thing again and again and expecting the same stupid results. So this is just, I think that that's just a powerful way of just summarizing what has happened in Africa with regards to socialism. And I think in, in, uh, in, in my opinion, you know, we need to be very, very careful, South Africa, who you vote for. You have to reject the idea of identity politics and you have to accept the idea of making this country better and what policies we can put in place to make it better? Or what policies can we remove to make it better? Because what is happening right now is that we are being taught that socialism is African. It's not. It's not African. Never was, never will be. And, and even if it's not African, even if it was African, it doesn't work. It doesn't give people that freedom. It 
doesn't give people that freedom at all. So, it's very interesting, you know, that people haven't even looked at it from that perspective of what works and what doesn't work. We're not judging policies based on the results. We're actually judging them based on the intentions. And if we continue to assess these ideas based on intentions as opposed to assessing them based on the results, then we will never know the truth. We'll always be stuck in our echo chambers trying to justify these failed ideas. So South Africa, let's, you know, make this country a bit better. But we have to start making better decisions and we have to be harder on the leaders that we put in power. And also we have to scrutinize the policies that they are pushing. Don't just support it just because it looks like it may benefit you. Okay, everyone, that brings you to the end of this podcast. And yes, as always, if you want to support this podcast, you can go to manpatriot.com forward slash donate. You can also share this podcast with your friends and family. Other than that, I'll see you next time and enjoy your week. Yeah.